0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bibles to John 16, verse 13 with me. John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. The link for it to notes tonight you can see on Twitter and on Facebook if it's not automatically popping up on your UVersion Bible app. John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, for he will show you things to come. As we said before, that word show means announced. As we covered a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God, the inward witness, and the voice of our conscience, and his more authoritative voice that we hear in our hearts. The Holy Spirit also speaks through the ministry gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some of the Holy Spirit's communication come through the vocal or the inspirational gifts, as we saw two weeks ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So there's different ways the Holy Spirit communicates unto us. And one of the, way, one of the reasons why he communicates unto us is to show us or announce to us things to come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. The New American Standard says this, this way. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Another translation says don't ignore them. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, which lets you know just because someone prophesies doesn't mean you have to believe everything they say. That means you look at it and you examine it in the light of the scriptures and you examine it in the light of the inward witness. Does it bear witness with your spirit? So any prophetic utterance you examine. But Paul also says here just because people may not prophesy right and they prophesy lie, you don't throw all the prophecy out. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are genuine prophetic utterances. There are genuine prophetic voices. There are genuine prophets. Now, one of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the gift of prophecy. And as we said before, that is a supernatural message in a known tongue. But there's also tongues interpretation of tongues, which is a supernatural message in unknown language interpreted into a known language. We also know the word of wisdom it's concerning God's plan and purpose concerning the future. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us through the gifts of the Spirit, also through the gifts given to the body of Christ, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And so one of the things we're doing in this series of Wednesday nights for the rest of the year is preparing for 2019. And we're talking about different things the Lord has said to us in Wednesday on Sundays or in times of prayer that he's talked to us about what's coming next year and beyond. And so it would behoove us to listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Not just ignore and go into the ears like, oh, I'll do my own thing. But if the Holy Ghost has told us things ahead of time, if he always announced to us things to come, then we need to listen and make preparations. Amen? So on October 14th, through the interpretation of tongues, the Holy Spirit said we are entering into days of all. As we said, just do, do a little bit of review for people watching or who are here who missed the previous messages. Days of all is a common term in the celebration of the Jewish High Holy Days. The 10 days starting with Rosh Hashanah and ending with Yom Kippur are commonly known as the days of awe or the days of repentance. These days are characterized as a time of serious introspection. One of the common customs that occurs during the days of awe is to seek reconciliation with people you may have wronged during the course of the year. As we looked at a couple weeks ago, 1st 1031 tells us that if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now, one of the things I want to let you know is this nation is in a time of judgment. This nation is in a time of judgment. And it's been that way for a number of years now. This nation is in a time of judgment. Now, judgment is not necessarily a bad thing, although it can be. Judgment is not necessarily a bad thing, although it can be. Go to Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Verse 13. This is God speaking to Abraham, telling things that are coming in the future. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they serve will I judge. Why is he judging them? Because they afflicted his people. And afterward, they shall come out with great substance. A part of the judgment was Israel's going to come out with great substance. Or as we talked about before, New Living Translation says great wealth. And thou shalt go to your fathers in peace. And you shall be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come here again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So before we go forward, the judgment on Egypt was the destruction of their nation and their wealth being transferred to Israel. When the iniquity of the Amorites was full, their judgment was that God drove them out of their place, you see that in 1 Kings 21, and that the land spit them out. Now, notice it uses the phrase, the judgment was not yet full, or the iniquity was not yet full. One of the things you see in the Old Testament when it comes to judgment is a picture of a cup. And so, with this cup, this cup is not full, right? It's not your question. It's not full. But if water kept being pulled in till it hit to the full, till it overflows, then it, the cup would be full. So, where judgment is concerned, especially in the Old Testament, was they're not going to be judged if this is what they're doing in their nation. But God says they're not going to turn in 400 years. Their cup will be full and judgment will come to them. Now, one of the things you see as you read through the book of Joshua that one of the reasons why those nations were judged that Israel took their land was they refused to believe. That was the final thing in addition to all the other horrible things they did. Because Rahab was a member of one of those nations that were supposed to be judged. But she believed. And because she believed, she was not judged. So just because it's a time of judgment for a nation doesn't mean you have to participate in it. Go to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. Now, some of you have been with uh, with me long enough to know. Back in 2015, I said judgment was coming a lot, and it wasn't in my notes. A lot of times, it kept coming out of my mouth. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. I'm like, well, wow. I guess judgment's coming, and I would even say I don't know what it looks like. And the thing is, we're seeing some of those things we, the Lord told us about in 2015. First Kings chapter 16, verse 29. And in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and 2 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Imagine if that was your story. When God is writing the Bible, how do you describe the administration of Ahab? He did worse than everybody else put together. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So these were a certain sin that God despised. Now, what was Jeroboam's sin? When Solomon's departed from God's path, the Lord told him that as a result of what you're doing, the nation is going to be split in two. But because David was faithful, your descendants will always have at least this part of the kingdom. But he says, because David was faithful... It's not going to happen in your lifetime, but it's going to happen in your son's lifetime. And so different things happen on his son's policies, and Israel breaks apart to two different nations. And God picks Jeroboam, a man from Israel, one who had been exiled, to come back and said, you are the one who I'm going to pick to lead the northern kingdom, which is called Israel in the Scripture, and the southern kingdom of Judah stayed with David's line." And he says, if you follow me like David did, David wasn't perfect, but he said, if you follow me with a heart like David did, then I will bless you. And all those who come after you will be blessed. But Jeroboam, although he was picked by God, brought back from exile by God, anointed by God, said, I ain't doing that. Because he said, because Jerusalem was still in the kingdom of Judah, he was concerned that if Israel went to worship in Judah, that they will turn and follow the house of David and follow Solomon's son. So he said, instead of you following the one true God, it is too much for you to make it to church where you're supposed to go. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up two golden cows for you. These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Bow down before them. So Jeroboam, through fear and convenience, convinced Israel to bow down to other gods. That is the sin of Jeroboam. And so God is saying about Ahab, not only did he work at what was before him, it was easy for him to keep up what Jeroboam did. Yeah, don't go up to Judah to worship. Keep bowing down to these golden cows. What did he do in addition to that? He took the wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. So now he's not just encouraging Israel to worship some golden cows. Now he's going to say, now I'm going to worship Baal too, and all of Israel is going to worship Baal too. Now how much of a follower was Jezebel's father of Baal? Jezebel, he named his daughter after Baal. And his name was Baal. So he's very connected to this worship of this entity, Baal. And what did he do in Israel? He set up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Now he built this demonic idol, a temple. In God's land. And Ahab made a grove. Now, a grove is not just a vineyard. This is to the worship of the goddess Asherah. So he's making a whole nother worship. So not only you got Baal, and you got the golden cows, now you got the Asherah, which is a sex goddess. And it still goes. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Ahab did more to tick God off than any other king. And not only was Ahab's sin horrible, the whole nation followed in sin. Ahab was bad, but so was Jezebel. Because when Ahab got tired of doing bad and was tired, Jezebel would stir him up to do some more. They were a team, but they were a horrible team. And they brought judgment to the nation. What was the judgment that fell on Ahab's administration? 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. What was the result? Okay, you want to worship some cows? Let them give you rain. You want to worship Baal? Because Baal was a weather god. He was the storm god. You want to bow down to the storm God? Let the storm God give you rain. You want to bow down to the sex goddess? Let her meet your needs. But God does not send you rain on this area until I say so. So the judgment that came upon Israel and King Ahab's administration was a drought. No rain. And then after Elijah made that prophecy, he took off to the place God wanted him to. But we'll talk about that next week. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Judgment is not always a bad thing, but it also can be a bad thing. Matthew chapter 11. Let's look what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 20. Then began he, Jesus, to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they what? Repented not. What do we say repent means? It means to turn and change your mind. So there's many mighty works and miracles done in the city. The host, all these cities knew about it. But instead of turning and got to follow God and changing their mind, they just kept living how they wanted to live. So Jesus is pronouncing the result of their decisions. Whenever you see woe in the Bible, in these instances, it's always connected to judgment. When you read the book of Revelation, it talks about the first row, the second woe, and the third woe. It's talking about judgments. So what Jesus is talking about here is judgment that is coming. He said, Woe unto you, Chores, and woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you that it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum. Now, when you just see it, people just read over, okay, Capernaum, why is this so important? This is Jesus' hometown. Jesus loves all of Israel, but he loves Capernaum. This is his home. This is his home base. This is where he lived. This is where his house was. This is where his friends lived. Woe unto you, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, you shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. So when you look And the Gospels, when he said, well, Jesus went to Capernaum," just say Jesus went home. And when Jesus went home, you see tons of miracles that happened there again and again and again. Although Jesus lived there, although Jesus taught in that synagogue all the time, although people, people could knock on Jesus' house, they knew where he was. You read through the Gospels, there are people who slept over at Jesus' house. Can you imagine having a sleepover at Jesus' house? They knew where he lived. They knew him. They knew what was going on. They knew he was anointed, but they didn't change their lifestyle. They didn't change their ways. And so Jesus said, woe is coming unto you. Judgment was coming unto them. Go to Matthew 18, verse 7. Remember, he said, woe is connected to judgment. Judgment is not always a bad thing, but it can be. This nation has been in a time of judgment for a while now. Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must must needs be that offenses come. Offenses are going to come. But woe or judgment to that man by whom the offense comes. So if they bring offense, there's a judgment connected to the offense. Can you see that? There is a judgment connected to the offender who brings the offense. We said well was connected to judgment. Now remember this. There are levels to judgment. There are levels to judgment. Judgment can come as a disciplinary measure to correct a nation so that it can turn from its present course. And if a nation refuses... Eventually, can receive judgment like Egypt did. Judgment comes in different forms in the word. We see judgment manifested as war, attacks by enemies, economic collapse, famine, plagues, dramatic judgments from heaven, and sometimes just God removing his hand of protection. Has America been judged before? Yes. 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 In smaller ways and in major ways, was one of the major ways. The Civil War was judgment. Now, he says, well, it's just what you know, Pastor? No. President Lincoln knew that, too. Let me read you from his second inaugural address. He says, one-eighth of the whole population were slaves, not distributed generally over the Union, but localized in the southern part of it. These slaves constitute a peculiar and powerful interest. All knew that this interest was somehow the cause of the war. Now, notice what the president said. The cause of this war is slavery. Not states' rights. Slavery. You can rewrite history, it doesn't mean that's what truly happened. To strengthen, perpetuate, and extend this interest was the object for which the insurgents would rend the union even by war. While the government claimed no right to do more than restrict the territory enlargement of it, neither party expected for the war the magnitude or the duration which it already attained. Neither anticipated that the cause of the conflict might cease with or even before the conflict itself should cease. Each looked for an easier triumph and a result less fundamental and astounding. Both read the same Bible and prayed to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. It may seem strange that any man should dare ask a just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of other men's faces, but let us judge not that we may not be judged. The prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. If we shall suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses which in the providence of God must needs come, but which having continued through his appointed time he now wills to remove, and that he gives to both north and south this terrible war as the woe due to those by whom the offense came, Shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which the believers in the living God always ascribe to him? Finally, do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scor- scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet, if God wills that it continue to all the wealth piled by the bondsmen, 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk. And until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with a sword, as it was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The civil war was judgment. The president even said that if God requires that every drop of blood that came from the slave man's lash be paid back with blood drawn from the sword, God's judgment is right. He said if it takes all the money of this nation being spilt till it pays up all the money that was built up by Slavery over 250 years, God's justice is true. The Civil War was judgment on slavery because America refused to do away with it. That is one of America's original sins. How do you know that? The only reason slavery was allowed was they were concerned three colonies would not sign the Declaration of Independence. And they wanted all colonies to be united, so they compromised. And because they compromised, slavery stayed. They refused to deal with it, so judgment came. Now, one of the things you also, as you study American history, especially the Great Awakening, you have to imagine if an awakening kept continued, because the awakening touched all populations, if the move of the Holy Ghost continued, the Holy Ghost could have dealt with it, right? Right? But one of the things you start, when you study awakenings, because not only are people getting saved now, the gifts of the Spirit are beginning to manifest, People are starting to speak in tongues. People are starting to fall out. There's some charismatic things happening. But some of the leaders said, no, we don't believe in that. No, can't let the Holy Ghost move. No, we don't believe in that. And they backed away from the move of the Spirit. One historian says that when they began to back away, it seemed like the awakening began to wane. So if America continued in the awakening, they could have dealt with it one way. Or they could have dealt with it politically and ended slavery. But because they did not, judgment came on the nation. America was judged for slavery. Now, why does judgment come? Judgment comes because of the laws that govern this earth. Another word for judgment is harvest. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Another word for judgment is harvest. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. You guys get a little bit quieter when I talk about judgment. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever say whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap now a lot of christians have a misunderstanding concerning judgment when they think of judgment they picture god as a judge who's always looking to zap them from their sins as we shared on sunday god punished jesus so that he would never have to punish you we saw in 1 corinthians 10:31 it reminds us that if we judge ourselves we will not be judged That if you judge yourself, yep, I sinned, this is wrong, God forgive me, I confess it before you, I'm turning from this path, you will not be judged. Yet people, even Christians, can reap the negative side of judgment. Why? They don't turn from their sowing negative, sinful, and evil seeds. Even though God punished Jesus so he'd never have to punish you, you can still reap the negative side of judgment because you keep sowing the wrong thing. It's like you trying to use your faith confession over apple seeds and turn them into an orange plant. You keep sowing apple seeds, you're going to get an apple tree one day. I don't care, even if in your heart, well, I just really wanted oranges and pears. You keep sowing apple seeds, you are going to get an apple tree. Seed, time, and harvest is a governing law of this universe. What you sow, you will reap. Seed, time, and harvest, and other spiritual laws are like gravity. Seed, time, and harvest, and other spiritual laws are like gravity. We call these things laws because they work all the time. Watch this. Leon, you stand up for a second. Stand right here. Okay, yeah, turn around. Place him. Jump. Now, oh, y'all see him jump, right? Did y'all see God push him back down to the ground? You sure? Let me try it again. Jump again. Jump a little bit high so they can see it. Did y'all see God push him back down to the earth? No. Did y'all miss the start one more time? Didn't y'all see God push him to the earth? No. What brought him back down? Gravity. See, a lot of people, thanks, Liam, they think when things happen in this nation or happen in their lives, that God did it. God judged them for that. No, they just reaped a harvest. There's a law that's always at work. Just like God and pushed Leon back down to the ground, when judgment comes, that doesn't mean it directly came from God. It just means people are receiving harvest. Individuals can receive harvest. Churches can receive harvest. Cities, states can receive harvest. A nation can receive a harvest. Judgment can be good, and judgment can bring things you don't even want to see. So if you're living right and sowing the correct seeds, a time of judgment shouldn't scare you. If you're living right and sowing the correct seeds. Why? Because you have a harvest right in front of you, and it's full of good things. Go to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion... We were like them that dream. Let's stop right there. When we look at the context of the psalm, why was Zion in captivity? Why was Israel without their stuff? They had turned from God. They had done wicked things. They've sown wicked seeds, and they received a harvest. Nebuchadnezzar came in, took all their stuff, and took them away, exiled from the land as slaves. But as we talked about on Monday night in prayer, how that turned around completely. When you see here, the Lord turned the captivity of Zion. He didn't just turn their captivity because someone wronged them wrongfully. He turned their captivity even though they deserved to be there. When God turned it around, it says we're like in a dream state. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. All the nations were saying God has done great things for them. Why? You saw when we talked about on Monday night how Cyrus sent a decree telling all the nations in his kingdom, hey, let these people go back home so they can build a temple toward their God and everybody in every nation collect an offering for them. This heathen king says, hey, Give God's people money because God has commanded me to let them go back home and build a temple for his name in Jerusalem. For he is the God. This is what he the King began to declare because the Holy Spirit stirred his heart because Daniel prayed. This was still at Israel in a time of judgment. But by the time the judgment ended, Israel's walking out with great stuff. Just like in Egypt, when the judgment was over, God's people walked out with great stuff. By the time the judgment is over, God's people walk out with great stuff. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Harvest is the same as judgment. Judgment can be a bad thing for those who have sown wrong seeds, but it can be a great time for those who've done the right thing. And whenever a time of judgment comes to an end, God's people walk out with great stuff. Whenever a time of judgment comes to an end, God's people walk out with great things. Whenever time of judgment comes to end, God's people walk out with great wealth. And I will let you to know that the time of judgment for this nation is coming to an end very soon. And it's not going to be the destruction of this nation. But God's people are about to walk out with some great stuff. Go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. It's harvest time. Yes, there's judgment happening all around us, but it's also harvest time. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. You need to be actively focused on reaping the harvest that's in front of you. That's one of the reasons we're sending out these emails every Friday. Harvest Friday get you focused on reaping the harvest. I wholeheartedly believe there's harvest out there for us that God has protected, that we've left alone because we forgot about it. But God is stirring us up to remembrance so we can reap the harvest that's already made ready for us. So if you're not on the email list, we put a link on the notes where you can go and sign up or you can sign up on the website. It's time for us to reap our harvest. Amen. If you have a negative harvest coming your way, repent. Turn from what you are doing, change your mind, and receive a crop failure. See, so might say, "Well, I've been doing wrong things for 50 years." Well, turn right now. Repent right now. And God will restore to you the years that they can't has as eaten. Joel chapter 2, the restoration was coming to them because they had sinned. They had blown it. They had received a harvest for their bad deeds. They had received a harvest for their sowing of sin. But God says, you have turned, and I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And I will restore the years that the cankerworm has eaten. When judgment was over, there was an outpouring of blessings. So one of the things you want to do, as we talked about last week, is you want to make sure that you're ready. That's why we started this series now, not right at the end of December, because we can tell you all this at the end of December, and now you're caught up in Christmas time and you're caught up time with family and cooking, you don't have time to analyze your life and prepare. That's why we started giving you homework two weeks ago so you can prepare for what's coming. Because if you're prepared, it will cause you to prosper in every arena. You must be prepared. You must be ready. You have to spend some time before God and start to self-analyze your life under the wisdom of the Holy Ghost and see what you need to change. See what you need to fix. See what you need to rearrange. See what you need to do to get ready for what God has called you to do. That is not time for delayed obedience. It's time for quick obedience. It's time to get ourselves ready so we can receive what God has for us. So as we go into the next year, it's not just, oh, this was another year. But no, I can receive the fullness of the prophetic utterance the Lord said about 2019. There's too many people. They hear the word of the Lord. They see a manifestation in January and half a manifestation in February. and March, they see a corner of a manifestation. They get to April. Like, what did God say about this year again? One of the reasons is they didn't let the word go down deep and keep applying it every single day. But another reason is people don't prepare. If you don't prepare to receive it, you won't receive everything you're supposed to receive. Now, where this nation is concerned, yes, a time of judgment is going on. But I remember a prophecy by Lynn Hammond a number of years ago. I don't even remember if I was in the reading, meeting or I read it later. She says, what's going to come upon this nation is judgment. And it's going to look bad. It's going to look horrible. But she said, it's like if you were mopping the floor. Just mopping. You had some water. It was a very dirty floor. You have the water. You have the solution. And when you begin mopping a very dirty floor, it starts to look worse before it looks better. And so she said, as the judgment comes, it's going to look worse. But when it's done, it's going to look really good. So don't be bothered by what you see on the news. Don't be bothered by what everybody says on social media. Don't be bothered by every single report you see in this nation. Yep, it's going to look worse. But in the end, it's going to look real good. And as we already said before, that when the time of judgment comes to an end, God's people walk out with great stuff. God's people walk out with great things. God's people walk out with great revelation, great understanding, great anointing, and great wealth. Prepare yourself so that you're able to walk out with those things, not looking, well, why did that happen to them, Jesus? Prepare so it happens to you. So don't be disturbed by God mopping. Don't be disturbed by God's mopping through some things. Oh, I can't believe this is the worst it's ever been. Oh, Jesus must be mopping today. Stop being disturbed. Stop being afraid. Yeah, you can say, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, but my hope is in God my trust is in God, not in princes, not in governing our political platforms, that God is going to cause it to turn out right. That if God has to judge this nation, it doesn't come out the way he wants it to come out. But however it turns in this nation, I know that because I'm in the house of faith, and I walk by faith, and I walk in love, everything shall be all right. Not all right meaning OK. All right, meaning God's going to make everything in my life right. He is Jehovah Tiskanu. He is the Lord our righteousness. He is the one who makes everything all right in our lives. You just have to let him do it. You have to let him turn again your captivity. You let him turn situations around for him. So that means you got to do things his way. Stop trying to get people back. Stop trying to seek your own vengeance. God says vengeance is mine. I will repay. I got this. You just do what I tell you to do. And you get yourself ready to receive what God has for you. Still getting testimonies all the time of harvest coming to people. Supernatural harvest coming to people. Got an email right before I came in here about a person who was promoted to this high level in their organization. Six-figure salary. They don't even have a college degree. And they said in this testimony, because they said I could share it, they said for years they felt bad about not having it. But they saw that it didn't matter to God. They said they were here one Wednesday or Sunday and God spoke for whoever was preaching that God's going to do something for someone who doesn't have a college degree. And they knew that was them. But now they look at their life and saw it was them. That although the world may disqualify you, God says you're qualified. So in a time of harvest, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. You just get what God says. And you go forward and do what God calls you to do. And watch him bless you. Watch him pour out his blessing upon you so that your life becomes a testimony. That every time people see you, they say, like they say in Psalm 126, the Lord has been good to them. The Lord has done great things for them. You need to live a life that the heathen testify of. That they talk about how good God has been. They don't even believe in him. Oh, well, there has to be a God because he's good to them. So you get your life ready. You get your life prepared so that you're ready for 2019 and beyond. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked Him into your heart, you've never made Him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me, but on the third day, you raised Him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me now, forgive me of my sins, fill me with your Spirit, and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.